Soprano. Alonzo, call security. We kept your Uncle June's in jail now. And I got one more little glass detail I gotta take care of. Mr. Soprano! I didn't tell you I don't die that fucking easy, man. I gotta live a nice, long, happy life, which is more than I can say for you. All right, that's enough! Yeah. Keep her moving, keep moving! I try to do the right thing by you, you try to be whacked? She doesn't understand you. She's smiling! Look at the look on her face! Come on, look at the look on her face! She's smiling! Come on! Look at her face! She got a fucking smile on her face! Smiling all the way to the bank, if I might add. Maybe. Anyways, welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli. Oh, I'm Jacob Burrows, and we're going to talk about the last episode of season one of The Sopranos, and what a great scene that is. One thing you notice if you're listening on the podcast is that's a that's a hell of a punch sound when he hits that when he hits that guy. And if you look at the video, it looks kind of like he shoves his neck, but it certainly adds to the drama that it's a real Hollywood type punch sound. And uh, and I think that's it's a fantastic scene. It's supposed to be like a headbutt, I feel, or. Really? Well, like, clearly I don't think it was supposed to be a punch or a headbutt, and they did something mm-hmm. in the edit to make it more... Ah, who knows? We'll get there. We'll break down that whole scene. But yes, yeah. what a great uh, what a great scene. And yes, we are here at the finale of season one, uh, episode titled I Dream of Jeannie Cusimano, uh, written by David Chase, of course, the creator of The Sopranos, and directed by John Patterson, um, who has... Uh, passed away in 2005 so rest in peace john patterson he did direct quite a few episodes of the sopranos and i guess he went to uh college with david chase so they were good friends uh but yes what a good what a good episode to end things on now i guess before we even get into any of the specifics uh for those who don't know i've seen every episode of the sopranos a f- uh, quite a few of them multiple times jacob here has not watched the sopranos despite Nope. Fancying himself some sort of TV aficionado, uh, but he's not seen The Sopranos. So now, now that we're a season in, we've watched the first season, and going in, you've already heard all the, you know, the Sopranos hype, the what have you, the critics. Uh, what what's your take on The Sopranos as a whole right now with one season in? Well, uh, this might shock you, Jim, but it's uh, it's a real good show. It's, I like it. <laughs> no, you already knew that, but yeah. uh, but I'll say it like this: um, we, we like this is the end of the first season, but don't worry, dear listener, we have committed to doing the whole run of The Sopranos. And when we started, even though I'd heard it was good, that's you know you can't help but feel that's kind of a daunting thing to take on when you're in the blind, uh, as it were, as I kind of was. I didn't know that much about it. Um, but now I don't feel any trepidation moving forward. In fact, I'm eager to get to the next episode and the next season, and I think the one after that. Um, and I think that tells you a lot about how I feel about The Sopranos. Now, um, has how how is it doing this non-binge factor? Uh, for people that don't know, we are going week to week, so it isn't like a cheat where... You know, we've actually watched them all. Now we're going to break them down one by one. We're going at old school style, week to week. Is it just kind of more habit now? It doesn't even matter? Or were you even much of a binger anyways where you're like, oh, here's a show and you watch it all in like a month? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to binge, but there are some shows I go week to week on anyway. But I'm sure there's like there's no shows I would go week to week on if I had the opportunity to watch it all in one go. Like <laughs> yeah. nowadays, you either watch it all in one go or you like watch a few and stop or something like that. Um, and this that's why this show is kind of interesting. I mean, cut to black, our show, uh, The Sopranos is interesting too, but our show is kind of interesting because it lets us consume it or lets me specifically consume it in a very particular way, kind of the way it was intended. Um, and, you know, it, it's I've been watching them a bit earlier sometimes. Towards the end of the season, uh, I they sort of crept earlier in the week and I wouldn't let myself watch them like immediately or nothing. Uh, but it was kind of at the start, I was watching it on a Sunday before we recorded. And uh, that's moved back earlier and earlier. And like after this, I would have been fine to jump to uh, jump to the first episode of season two immediately. <laughs> and I still have that instinct, I think, that uh, Netflix brought upon all of us. Yes, nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're in it now. You're, you're getting well-versed in The Sopranos. We've discussed all the threads, all the different build-up. Uh, how do you feel this works as a finale for, um, for the well, season? The scene, the scene you played at the start is obviously like so uh, great because I mean that's a that's a dramatic scene in any show. But if you had that scene in episode two, no one would care. That scene only works because of how the show has built it up and it's all been on on one theme and exploring this one thing of his family and what family means to Tony Soprano and the people around him. Um, and all that lets us get to a point where he's yelling and rambling at his mother and you feel it in your chest <laughs> because even though she's been such a bad person, it's like tearing him apart and that makes it like it's tearing us apart. Um, and also, we get to see a lot of mob shit this episode, and that's cool, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they shoot a lot of people, so yeah. that's awesome as well. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think what you're saying is so true. Like, if they did it too early, or other shows would maybe drag it out a bit longer. Because I think when we, yeah. when you were talking last week with a couple of your predictions, you nailed one. By the way, the 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 junior thing where you talked about potentially the indictments coming down. And uh, you kind of nailed that. But uh, I think you were thinking about this Livia Soprano thing where she's playing up her dementia. Or, I mean, what I do like about the show is that it kind of could go either way. Although, from what we know, it does seem like she's probably playing up something to save herself. It did feel like maybe they could play with that for a while and kind of keep Tony in the dark if they wanted to. I don't know if it was necessarily that... I don't know if this is one of those shows where maybe they're like, hey, we might only get one season. Uh, let's just kind of go for broke here for the most part, but it's still open enough to keep going. But let's not drag this Livia Soprano thing out. Let's let's have like a real moment here, uh, like a climax in a way. Yeah, and I think that's a good call because even though, as I said, they like fully explored this theme and this, this dream he had at, at the start of uh, his family flying away like ducks and uh, this thing making him crash, like that's all been 
sort of handled in this season, but there's so much more to mine, and the way they sort of plant little things and then come back to them, it promises of so much more. So you can bring this storyline to a satisfying climax and it still obviously feels like there's so much more that could happen in this world and with these characters and i think that's something a lot of shows can probably learn from this because as you said they would uh, they'd say like oh yeah this is a show about tony and his mother and i i i don't know but i would assume that his mother is nowhere near as central moving forward uh which sort of gives you this idea of they can do a lot of different things in one show. And even though this was the centerpiece, it's not like they they are probably thinking, oh yeah, season two, we got to bring the mom back. That's what everyone expects from The Sopranos. Like, they have so much to mine from. Um, and I, I think a lot of shows, as you said, they're either miniseries and they're like, yeah, let's finish this in one season. Or they're like, how can we cliffhanger this shit? And this is neither uh, and kind of both uh, because they, they make it satisfying on its own, but there's still more to do. Yes. And yeah, and especially like, it's so nice that they were able to find a pretty organic way to keep Junior around because obviously things are coming to a head. This very could this easily could have been the end of Uncle Junior. And I'm glad even you on your first watch through as we're getting towards the end, you are coming like they do a good job of making you kind of like Uncle Junior. And uh, I mean, at certain points of the show, he's one of my favorite characters. So it is nice that uh, he gets to stick around where it doesn't feel like Tony's losing face uh, because, you know, things were set in motion. Uh, But anyways, uh, let's let's start from the beginning here because there's something I want to talk about because we start at the beginning with at the there's a meeting at Satrielli's and it's kind of everyone's there except Jimmy and we the like we find out this is where they've kind of all hashed it out they've given J- Jimmy calls a meeting and he's asking questions about stuff they've already discussed everyone's kind of in agreement that he's a piece of shit rat we even get to see Tony and Junior kind of together on the same side here. Uh, even though like where things left last week, it wasn't quite that point. Now I want to bring this up because I'm on a Facebook Sopranos group, the members only group. And there's this long debate where people think that Jimmy was not a rat because we Mm. don't specifically see him with the FBI or with the wire. Okay. What's your Uh, read on that? Uh, it's hard to say because I want to talk about pussy and not, you know, like we always do off the stream, Jim. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Talking about the character, <laughs> pussy. Um, I want to talk about that, and I feel like I can't discuss it fully with you or anyone <laughs> for another year. Uh, but the the thing is, yeah, he's a rat. I mean, from my read of just the first <laughs> season, I, I rewatched the, um, the scene where he comes in uh, in the, you know, a couple of episodes ago. He comes in, and he's... He's so clearly asking all these weird questions, and that was kind of enough for me. Um, what, what what do you think? Well, when I when we were still in the midst of rewatching it, I started seeing this argument pop up, and then I started rethinking, and I was like, "Huh, maybe they're right." But I was glad we were in this position where I was in the process of going through season one, and I feel like if you left it with just that episode, with just Tony deciding he's a rat you mm-hmm. could definitely write it off and say that there's enough gray area and we already knew Tony's state of mind in that episode was that he was looking for an out uh, for Big Pussy being the one that betrayed him. But at this point where we've seen, like every scene with Jimmy after that episode 
because even when he goes up to Junior, he's talking about Brendan Falone yeah. for no reason. And given we don't see this sit down that happens, but the fact that they all come out and even like Uncle Junior and everyone like everyone's in this agreement because they're not all in that same position that Tony is where they want it to be someone else. It doesn't matter. Uh, and if he's doing like even in that scene with Tony when he's talking about like fingerprints on the bills or something like that, it does mm-hmm. sound like some wackadoo out there thing that's not real. And Tony makes a comment like I should have fucking killed him right in my basement. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's enough there where I guess I get people could make this argument that he isn't, but I don't think the show is giving you that. I think you could yeah. just read it because they don't explicitly tell you. Yeah, yeah. We don't see a wire, but we don't see the sit down either. And I trust them enough that their conclusion makes sense of like, yeah, it's clearly him. They say after a meeting that we haven't quite seen but we've seen that he called it and they're talking about bullshit and i'm willing to take the character's words for it being bullshit because i never understand when they talk about mob stuff anyway so i kind of have to trust them on that (laughs) um and also later in the episode uh when when tony's sitting down after the indictments he says that prick altieri gave them reams of shit and i i don't know if he actually would know that like actually uh Specifically, I can't quite recall. I mean, they got stuff on all of us from the surveillance at Green Grove, he says. And he, and he says that Jimmy gave him reams of shit and maybe he's just assuming. But I don't know. Doesn't he have some sort of inside information at that point? or something? It does seem the way he's talking, it seems like it, because he does mention that he like talked to his lawyer or he talked to somebody about it. And that's where he got a lot of the information. Uh, oh, yeah, it is like his lawyer because he like takes a call or something before that scene. Uh, yeah. And then a real quick question, like I'm not going to lead this anyway, and it's not really spoilers because you don't know, but you did mention Big Pussy and like kind of coming back to that. In your I've never watched Sopranos, have you gleaned any story points or do you? are you saying that because you have an idea where things are going like for sure or you're just guessing? I mean, I'm guessing. Okay. I don't know. I don't know anything from like any online stuff, but my guess is that Pussy's dead and Polly killed him. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you some details on why I think that. But but I also I I'll say it's I don't know if he, he was in, an informant or not because I was really sort of swayed by uh, Mr. Home Alone talking about um, like I Vegas and stuff. That. That kind of made me think that maybe he was a rat puss, uh, pussy, but um, but as far as his state, like his state, uh, if he was go- going into protective custody, he would have taken his family, and he cares about his family more than anything else. Uh, this leads me to think that he's dead. Polly also, I mean, I guess I can get into it now that Polly, when when Tony brings up that he's gone to therapy, Polly says, "Yeah, I've been to therapy too." And first, I thought that was just him. Uh, you know, the writer's doing an unexpected thing because he's the person you would expect to have a problem with it. But then later, he's sort of feeling out Silvio, and because of the placement in the episode, they put it right at the end where he's talking to Silvio, and he's kind of like, so how do you feel about that? And Silvio's kind of like, shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll just be quiet. But he's feeling him out because he doesn't like it and or he's trying to sort of sense what the new power dynamics are going to be because he fucking killed Pussy uh, and is trying to, uh, you know, he knows that sooner or later Tony's going to find out and uh, 
that's that. And I, the reason I think that is that Tony made him say like eight times to make sure there's a wire where you should only have to say that one time. And I don't know Polly that well, but that tells me that he's likely to do something. And it, like, even Sylvia's like, you don't think he like jumped off the handle, did you? And the way he said, no, he's like a little kid. Like, no, no, of course I didn't. <laughs> um, and he had Tony like banging him against the shelf and everything. And so, so he's kind of, fe- that's why he's feeling out and seeing like what's going on here. Cause uh, pussy's dead. That's my guess. Okay. I mean, it is interesting the way they play that out because Christopher seems the most shook when Tony sits them down and tells them the truth about therapy. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. Polly kind of comes in like, you know, I saw a therapist about a year back, uh, you know, I had to learn some coping skills. I had some issues or whatever. It's pretty funny. And then, yeah, yes. it's strange the way it comes back uh, uh, at the end with a little bit more kind of gray area when he's, yeah, like you said, he's feeling out Silvio to see maybe if there's a, Silvio has a different take on it now that the boss isn't around, you know? Yeah, and my, I'm, although it is weird that he waits to bring it up until Tony literally walks in with his whole family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's almost felt like they edited it weird or something. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I mean, he, he, he didn't go to therapy. Uh, he's just saying that to, uh, like, be, yeah, because he doesn't want to upset Tony and he wants to play everything super cool. And uh, it is funny, but it's also a lie. So that's how I feel about it. All right, all right. Well, and then, I mean, cu- cutting back, then we do get... Uh, Christopher brings Jimmy to meet some Russian uh, prostitutes or hookers, apparently. And, of course, that's all a ruse as Silvio busts out of the back room and uh, shoots him in the head. And, yeah, I guess for the for the conspiracy theorists out there who do believe that Jimmy wasn't a rat, his reaction could be read either way, um, even though it's clearly him realizing they found out he's a rat. <laughs> But I guess you could argue that he's just being like, oh, my God, they think I'm a rat. I'm dead. Uh, And, yeah, he gets the old uh, bullets to the back of the head. And it's played out pretty well. Like, he almost gets his gun that he's got in his, like, uh, shoe holster or whatever. But Christopher grabs it real quick. Some good teamwork going on here. And that's the end of Jimmy Altieri. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I uh, he goes for the gun immediately on his ankle. But, of course... If, if if Christopher woke me up in the middle of the night and said, like, hey, let's go hang out, I'd be like, uh-huh, I'm just gonna, don't have time to put anything on, but I'll make sure I put on my ankle gun real quick, just in case, because Christopher sometimes steals your dog and brings it back, so, um, yeah, that's the end of him anyway, and I, I really think he was a rat, um, and, you know, if, if someone accused me of that, I wouldn't say, mother of God, I'd say, I'm not a rat for real, guys. <laughs> no, um, seriously, come on. Maybe he's in shock or whatever. If he was a rat, he'd just say, mother of God, like he does. So um, that's that's my, my take on it anyway. Definitely a rat, and I'm glad he's dead. Yeah, we had to get rid of him. He's messing up the fucking, this thing of ours. He took an oath, goddammit. Yes, uh, because we love crime. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to uh, Meadow and I guess Jeremy's his name. I'm reading that off Wikipedia. I didn't know that. They're watching The Howling 3, uh, if you're wondering what horror movie they were watching. And, it looks uh, great. Livia, oh, and she makes a Georgia O'Keeffe reference because it's like a flowery monster, vag- flowery vagina monster that shows up on the TV. And then Livia Soprano up to her old tricks, yelling and wandering around at one in the morning outside the home. Uh, AJ Soprano is masturbating in his room. And... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> violently, I assume, yeah. because the bed is hitting the like the headboard. Is, what the fuck is he? How? Who taught this kid to masturbate, Jim? Or What's I mean, happening? it could be he was just looking for that fly, and but we're just <laughs> we all have dirty minds, and we assume when the bed's shaking. But maybe it's just he's just in his underwear looking for the fly. He hears some yelling outside. He has to jump off the bed, put his pants on real quick, and uh, the down to see his grandma. And the cops show up, and he tells she tells him to shut up. There's absolutely no way he's masturbating because <laughs> the way he like jumps off the bed immediately and stands up. I mean, not to be blue, but he's not erect, uh, and you would see it through those pants. So we can only assume he's jumping on the bed, trying to reach that damn fly that has made its nest on the ceiling, where, of course, there's no way for him to reach it. He can't figure out the technology other than, well, I have a bed. I can only just jump on it. Yes, and, and he has his fly swatter, and he's just... Because, I mean, I don't know I'm, if you people have been watching closely or hearing our previous episodes. There's at least two other occasions where he's on that bed looking for a fly, so... Well, this is what I meant when I said they have so much material to mine from in the next coming seasons. Uh, I still want to know what happened to the fly uh, and to AJ. That's his big arc, I feel. Now, as far as Livia, um, I, people saying that, or, well, balancing of whether it's fake, whether it's real. I felt at the end, there's a lot of ambiguity whether she actually had a stroke or not. Mm-hmm. But here, I feel there's no ambiguity. And I don't know, maybe it's because I have known people who have Alzheimer's and she just acts like a caricature of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the writers would have done a better job if they actually wanted it to seem like it. And it's actually her wanting to seem like it, uh, which is why it's a good job because it's more, you know, cartoonish. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm definitely in the camp that she's, she's putting on an act. I do like that. Again, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit more Im- ambiguous than, say, is Jimmy a rat? I feel like someone could make a case and try to say, well, no, like, there is enough there that potentially this is real. But I'm, I'm with you. Like, she's she she's trying she's in, like, survivor mode because uh, obviously the, the hit on Tony went wrong. And there could even been just a small, like reality you know crunch when tony did survive the hit like oh my god what were we doing we're gonna kill my son i better you know figure out an out for myself here yeah i mean the only explanation i could think of where uh it's not um where it's like natural is that it would be like a mental problem not in uh, like not Alzheimer's or anything like that because that takes a while to set in and as far as I can tell it's been like two fucking weeks or something yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's gone from saying one time like who's that girl and then she shows up and banging and talking about her dead aunt and whatever and you if you're an old person who gets Alzheimer's it takes years uh, for you to well I mean the effects come on slowly so uh, I, I'm not buying it although I guess to be fair we did see little things throughout the season, like when she runs her friend over, when she almost burns her kitchen down, like because she answers the phone and she gets all confused. Mm, uh, true. I, it's still not. I, I'm still with you, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, we've seen some stuff, and and it is. Uh, I, I do really. I mean, I know we've we talked about Gandolfini and how good he is, and in the next scene with uh, Melfi when he has to talk about how his mom is now in the like nursing home, like medical side of the home. And that was always the big argument of like, that's why she didn't want to go there. 
And she kept saying that's where they were going to put her. And now they put her there. And of course he feels like it's all his fault. And uh, that's why like she was right all along and he was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is, I mean, and it gets even more dramatic in that scene because oh, yeah. Melfi just won't give up on her theory. She's got theories just like me about whether it's real or fake. Uh, and she says the same thing that I do. Uh, she says, you know, it's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? But I really feel, I mean, she is hitting it pretty hard. I guess she does have the psychological background for it and just basing it on... She's basing. She doesn't know the situation, but she understands his mind better than he understands his mind. So that's why the whole hallucination with Isabella and everything is telling her that something's going on with the mother. But that doesn't necessarily mean that she was involved in the whole murder thing. And yeah. partially, I feel like they're making her push it harder in order to have this uh, like conflict flare up between them again. And we do get. We only get one walkout. This. Um, episode of from the therapist's office, but it's a hell of a walkout because it's the most uh, dramatic one so far. It involves flipping a glass table, which breaks, and uh, getting real up in her face. And this is this is where she draws the line, not where uh, her him getting uh, shot or coming on to her or walking out a hundred times. Uh, this is this is where it's enough for her, and uh, she blocks the door with her chair. Yeah, uh, when he leaves. Yeah, she locks it and blocks it and. And it's like, for as well as she knows Tony, like, it kind of makes sense. I do feel like, yeah, she's pushing it a bit too hard, I guess, because it's the finale, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But it's a nice detail where she has these books ready, so it does kind of show it's like she's been reading up a bit on borderline personality disorder, and she does make the case that she feels like since there's been a hit on his life that there is, it's it's like a life-and-death scenario. But she completely misses how obvious... Uh, Tony is fucking heating up as she's talking like like the way he's like breathing and you see the look on his face and it really builds like a fucking firecracker or something. And then when he whips the table and the way he comes in, I love the way they shoot it because it's kind of like they're both like horizontal, uh, like in the shot, like on the side when he's like looking down on her. And when he like drops out of frame, it's like a weird monster movement. Like it's so fast. The way he's like, he's on her so quick. He's in her face. He's like, you twisted fucking bitch. Like, you're lucky I don't smash your fucking face into a million pieces. He says something like that. And then he just like quickly drops out like the way, uh, <laughs> like in a horror movie. Uh, and then, yeah, storms out. And, you know, rightfully, yeah, she's locking the door, puts the fucking couch against it. But, you know, if he wanted to do something, it would have been game over. So, Yes, and there are like a couple of points in this episode where he brings out his really crazy eyes, and this is kind of it, but it's even more with his mother later, where he's almost seeing like cross-eyed, yeah, and it's so intense and scary, and you're like, "Oh, Tony, you're I understand why you're the capo or like the boss now because I'm scared." Yeah, he's like a bear. He basically he's like a crazy fucking bear. Um, and then, so then after that, we check in with, um, uh, Jackie April's wife, I believe Rosalie April and Carmilla are at Artie's new place, the new Vesuvio. And I, I don't know if I've ever noticed it before. I never realized how he keeps talking about bugs and he has to Mm. apologize about the bug that was in her salad. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a dumb, funny detail to me. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So we just kind of learned that. He, the insurance money's finally come through. Things are looking good. They got a new place being built. Uh, Charmaine's hiding in the back. She doesn't want to see Carmilla. 
Um, and they're kind of talking about Rosalie and Carmilla are talking about um, like what the future is for Mob Wife, kind of. And they don't explore it too much. You see it in Carmilla in a few of the scenes because of stuff that happens and what recently happened. But she's talking about how you know either my if my husband didn't die, he probably just would be getting arrested right now. Like, what's the end for us? It's just kind of like a quick thing they tap into. Mm-hmm. His reign was peaceful, uh, <laughs> Carmilla says. Um, yes. And uh, what, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, what's well, that, her name? The, his Arthur's wife? Uh, oh, Charmaine. Charmaine also stomps a bug when we cut to the kitchen. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and then we have the father coming around again, Mr. Priest guy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because that's almost, I mean, moving ahead the, what this builds up to is like the second most satisfying scene where Carmilla tells him off that's oh, so great as well absolutely. Um, but this is sort of building for that where we find out that uh, Jackie's wife uh, or widow gave him an expensive Rolex and uh, Carmilla's sort of starting to notice this whole chemistry thing going on and it's really one of the most egregious things they have Father Phil do because they mentioned that it was Jackie's watch so he's oh, all yeah. excited that he has dead Jackie April's like expensive watch and he's like, Oh, I can set one of the things as a countdown to the millennium. Like <laughs> he's such he's such a hateable piece of shit. And on top of that, like, because obviously with we're with Carmilla and we know like it's kind of upsetting her because it's, you know, showing like basically showing her the truth of what's happening like because he tries to play around like in that episode where he talked about I mean he says in this episode too that he has feelings for her. But it's starting to become clear that it's just his MO, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I didn't even think about it that much, but uh I don't think uh I don't I mean, hey, I'm not Catholic or nothing, but I don't think a priest should be doing like taking <laughs> your dead husband's stuff. Uh although, yeah, as I said, I'm not Catholic. Uh you know, there's all sorts of things going on in the church, uh regards to getting things and taking things and whatnot. So, um and he's not a married man, he can take whatever watches he wants, I guess, but um he just likes the whiff of watches, really. <laughs> uh and then we get to see someone stumble upon uh uh jimmy altieri's body and he's got a rat stuffed in his mouth because he's a rat piece of shit and he got what he deserved and <laughs> and it's never uh, brought up again like it never it, it's not in the rest of the episode like we just get to see it i guess because it's cool and maybe it inspires the fbi to bring along mr soprano and uh show him the tapes maybe Yes, yeah, because then they bring him into this weird basement uh, of, you know, some steakhouse or whatever the fuck they have going on. And now, the one thing I wonder, though, and I mean, I assume it's just a mistake on their part, but um, they explained to Tony that they've been bugging Green Grove and it was this head investigator's idea. Everyone else thought it was a waste of money, but of course it paid out in dividends. But I'm pretty sure they play a clip Olivia talking when her and Junior were in the line for the movies, when really? she says, "Which part?" Because I'm pretty sure when she's saying the line, like, "You should have seen him. Like, the kids would have been better off." Like, uh, she brings up like someone else's parent mm-hmm. who died, and she says, "Like, yeah. you, uh, they always said." I forget the name of the person. But it was like they always said you'd be better off without him. Anyways, you should have seen him. And it's like after she had saw him depressed at dinner. So, but almost positive that clip is just from outside unless she specifically bugged. I think you're totally right, but I can completely excuse this because I know Olivia 
And uh, she's not known for saying something once. Uh, she yeah. is, in fact, known for repeating herself over and over. And I'm sure Junior heard that at least eight times. He just wanted her to be quiet, wanted to watch the fucking movie, even though it was a shit deal. Uh, but uh, no, he heard it a hundred times, so it's no surprise they got it on tape. Yeah, yeah. And I do like that um, the the way the FBI, the FBI wants to make it hurt because they're really, they think they're like getting Tony when he's down because the guy makes the point. They start talking about like Italians and family and basically what an insult it is that his mother is behind, mm. you know, a potential hit on him. Yeah, we're all we're all matriarchal. That's what we have in common and we care about family and so on. Now, of course, they're not going to get him to flip. I mean, I guess it makes sense that you'd play the tape, but do they care that they're like giving a mob person like way <laughs> like ammunition? True. Like do they does that matter? I guess they're gambling and they have like they have the indictments either way, but like several people die because of this that wouldn't have died. Yeah, I mean, I guess the interesting thing is when um, when we see Junior in the you know the jumpsuit in jail, and the same guy's talking to him. He mentions that they want New York, so it's yeah. kind of like an interesting thing of like making a, making like our band of heroes our second to this you know the big city. It's like a weird little detail. So I don't know if maybe it makes sense in that. They know they have this indictment ready for Junior, and Junior's one potential path. Let's try this Tony thread, and they don't really give a shit what happens to these guys because they're going after New York City. I mean, I guess it's just one way to read it. Yeah, but they also want him to give up. Uh, they want them. They want him to give up Tony, but they say they want Johnny Sachs or whatever in New York. That's who they really want. But giving up Tony wouldn't get them any closer. Uh, so, I mean, well, hey, I, they're the well, FBI. They'll take what they can get, I guess. Well, technically it will because they do know what's happening. They do know that Tony has the blessing from New York to do what he's doing with Uncle Junior. And yeah. uh, I think that's the angle they're going for is they think that's going to be the connection to New York and Johnny Sack. Although they don't know Tony, I guess, like we know Tony, because we know Tony's not going to fucking... Even if they did get Tony, he's not giving people up. Uh, and I will say, uh, fucking... Uh, who's the actor that plays Uncle Junior? I'm spacing on his name right now. Uh, Jesus. Fucking, the FBI guy? No, no, that or... plays... Uh, oh, Dominic Chianese, who plays uh, Uncle Junior, Corrado. Oh, right. That scene when... Um, He's when the the FBI agent's talking about that and talking about how he was basically set up to take the hits and now he has and all that and you know you're you're seventy how many more years you got? Mm -hmm. He's fucking he kills that scene like yeah because you read it all in his face that he is realizing it's all true, but then there's still that pride slash like I mean he's I don't I don't know if he's one that would turn anyways but. It's this weird pride of like, even I'm not going to admit it, even though I know what you're saying is all true. And Tony did kind of play me, but in uh, the line, so great, where he's like, "My that nephew of mine, not in this life or whatever it is, like running things, yeah. not in this life." Oh, it's so yeah. good. Oh, and it adds up so well because that's been the arc this whole season, and we already know when the scene starts how the scene is going to end, or it feels like it anyway, because. 
there's no fucking way that Junior is going to do it. But the reason he's going to do it is not loyalty. It's pig-headedness and, like, stubbornness. And, like, he wants to... He will at least be written into the history books as a leader of the mob. And even if he rats his... Like, if he... if I mean, partially if he flips, he's a piece of shit. But also, giving up his nephew... Even though he hates his nephew... What would he do? Go and live in a in fucking with the Mormons and eat p tomatoes with no taste for a few years and then die? He'd rather be in the history books. He'd rather be in jail, someone with respect, uh, than outside uh, a laughingstock and a nobody. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 yeah, it, it works so well as a character moment where I guess you could, even though he probably wouldn't flip, maybe he would flip if it didn't have to do with him... Uh, admitting that they got one over on him you know that is that yeah. that tony got one over on him but anyways going back Artie goes to visit livia soprano in the nursing home of course she's reading the obituaries because she always is that's way that way uh, that way she can always throw out a little factoid about how someone died in relation to whatever conversation you're having uh <laughs> now so if we're if we're on this tip that livia soprano is obviously faking to cover her own ass how premeditated are her actions here? Does she th think that what might happen from this conversation might happen? Or is it just another way to fuck someone's life over? I mean, I, just, I, I don't know if she knows exactly what would happen from it, but I think it's 100% intentional anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't have guessed that Arthur would go get a rifle, uh, so I don't know if she would guess the same. But from the way it's placed in the episode and the way Tony's feeling, like after he finds out that his mother and Junior did it, he goes to his people and I mean, I guess it's the next scene or whatever and says that, you know, it was definitely Junior and Mikey and whatever and let's deal with it. And Silvio says anything else and he says, my ear hurts <laughs> um, because, of course, it's partially because it's shameful that his own mother wants to hurt him, but it's also because... He needs to deal with Junior, and his mother is no real threat. That's going to weigh on him. He's going to know, but it's not like going to... He knows now. She's not going to do anything on her own. And this, the way it plays out at least, maybe it wasn't 100% her intention, but it's hard not to think it was kind of her intention. From Tony's perspective, she did this. She's still trying to have him fucking killed yeah. in a way, uh, which is so... Fucking, uh, it must be so annoying for him because not only has he found out, it's also like, I gotta go get a pillow. There's just me and this pillow. We gotta walk down this fucking I thought, hallway, I guess. That That's was, where it all ends. That was the one thing that was a bit over the top, I feel. Because, yeah, <laughs> yes. he walks into the hospital and he gets a pillow and he kind of like tries it out. He's like, all right, is this, all right, this one's good. This one's just like maybe we didn't see the other hallways he walked down where he grabbed a few <laughs> other pillows, but they kind of this one, the weight's off a little bit. This one's a little too small. Uh, like it was a bit much. We're like, all right, we know what he's doing. <laughs> he's get the, he can just use the pillow in a room. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's I felt like that was kind of um, over signaling to the audience rather than like something he would necessarily do. But I guess I, I, I didn't think it was that weird. Uh, but y yeah, it's kind of over the top. Yeah. Um and I mean we don't sorry to cut you off, but in that scene we don't I don't know what he's true. there to do. That's true. Uh, and mean, that does tell us very efficiently and then immediately after he gets to find out she's had a stroke and we don't know if it's a real thing. Tony doesn't believe it is, but 
I guess it's very effective communication, so we can't knock it for that. Yes, it does fully signal us, like, okay, we Tony's on a mission. We know what he's about to do here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quick backtrack to when Artie visits Livia. I think it's when she asks about Artie's mom. It's just mm -hmm. a line I like. Like, she asks about his, his mom, and he mentions, like, his mom passed away, like, last summer or whatever it was. And she just goes... <laughs> Is she still on that crazy diet? <laughs> she starts <laughs> laughing. Like, yeah, uh, so great. Um, yeah, she, is 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 she? Oh yeah, she she says, "What is it? Um, give her my regards." Is she still on that crazy <laughs> diet? <laughs> and yeah, as you said, so yeah, they set the hit on Mikey and Junior. Basically, they need to get a plan in motion because they know Junior's probably gonna make another move. So they have to take out this other dude who's close to him and kind of get Mikey and Junior out of the picture because, of course, Tony has it confirmed. He doesn't mention how, and, yeah, as you said, you know, my ear hurts. And then we we see Tony and Carmilla at home kind of talking business. And we've, we've just seen glances of this at first, but now things are kind of uh, all on the table. I do like these moments where we do see that Tony confides in Carmilla and there is, like... Like they're talking about, you know, attempted murder and what what happened and that his mom's behind it. And he heard the tapes from the FBI. And there's that great line. I think it's a line they use a lot in Sopranos promos. Like I've seen it on other shows when they're talking about the Sopranos when he says like, uh, cunnilingus and therapy are what got us in this mess or whatever. Because uh, he's like, I never should have said anything about... They don't play the part where he's like, I never should have said anything about him meeting pussy. Just the cunnilingus and therapy or whatever. Because it's just a great line that sums up the show. Well, yeah, I did want to gift that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, no, that it, it is great. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's nice to see them getting along. And I feel as well that not only have we not seen this before, I don't think this would have happened earlier in the season. He would have just carried everything inside himself. And despite flipping tables and uh, and threatening therapists and whatnot, he, he's gotten to this point because of that. And I mean, granted, it's about his mother. And uh, if he wants someone to talk to about how much uh, he uh, feels bad about his mother... Um, or dislikes his mother. Uh, Carmilla is a good bet to start because uh, they have similar feelings there. Um, well, so, yeah, it's not nice to see a bit of a connection. Yeah, and he even mentions, like, looking at the other guys, he feels ashamed. Because mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that everyone knows yet, but he know Like, Tony has an understanding, like, if they're going to play that for him, the FBI are probably going to pull some shit and word's going to get out and people are going to kind of know what's going on. And yeah, like, but he's the boss, so obviously no one's gonna step to him. But you know, not only just the regular personal shame or the machismo of like loving your mother and your mother loves you, uh, there's just gonna be that air of people like, ooh, mom wanted to kill him. Uh, and then you know, even Carmilla says like, I could kill this woman myself, and she, but Tony gives her the warning like, no, we have to all. You're the concerned daughter-in-law and everyone has to play it safe because they need to kill them in secret <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um uh what was i thinking of you mentioned that um sorry i lost my train of thought there but it's uh they're they're um talking about uh as you said that Oh, yeah, I got really lost. I don't know what we're talking about. Sorry. Well, yeah, well, I was before I was mentioning just like he feels shame when he looks at the guys. Right, right. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And um, you said the 
the information about his mother might come out. And originally I was like, I don't know. But then there was that guy who Mikey shot who was like, oh, even his own mother wants him dead. Yep. So I guess that's out there. I thought it was more... I mean, yeah, the shame was from his mother, but he. I think... I think it was more like, I mean, he had to tell them about the therapy. That was the thing that was going to get out. And I thought, well, no, it's not going to get out about his mother. But if some scumbag knows, you're right. It's it's probably going to well, be circling around. And especially, though, either way, I feel if the FBI has tapes on it, whether it be those tapes come out in some court case or they just play it for someone else to try to turn people against each other, I think it's just yeah. kind of understood that now that that's known information, other people will get to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we get to see Tony. Uh, I mean, I guess how 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 many kills have we seen Tony do? Is this just the second? Is it just college? Oh no, yeah. Is it just college in this one? Um, well, we need to uh, get our fucking counter together Dude, for season suck. two, yeah, and then we'll have a much better track of this. I feel like someone's gotten murdered recently but I, I guess he didn't get his hands wet um yeah because i mean specifically tony yeah yeah i don't i guess maybe okay so we'll, well we know we got college when he ch- chokes that guy and then here even though he's Wait, the no bo- i mean depends do you count his assassins in the previous episode oh you know what i'll count those yep mm-hmm. i'll count him so I, th- I guess one of them survived so that's yeah. another one then and then here he gets he's got a great plan because he's got this big fish and they're standing by the docks in broad daylight, and yeah. the guy pulls up, and he's a little spooked because it's like, oh, wait, Tony, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I just want to show you this fish. Pulls a fucking gun out, blasts him a bunch of times, and they uh, you know, get to bring him out on the water and toss him, <laughs> toss him with some fucking cement, give him some old cement shoes. Yeah, real reminiscent of the first episode where they beat up some guy just in front of everyone, not caring. Uh, it is a bit more serious when you murder someone, though, because when you beat someone up, they have to press charges, I guess. Uh, but if you murder someone, they kind of don't have to do that for you to go to jail. Uh, but yeah, I guess this is the deserted dock of New Jersey, uh, so so it's fine. And, you know, he puts on a captain's hat, so I'm sure no one will be able to... Uh, see his eyes or any identifying features or anything like that. Now, did we talk about the name of Tony's boat, the Stugats? No. Because I think Stugats means balls or something, and that's the right. name of his boat. I just wanted to point that out real quick. Oh, slang well, term for dick or cock. Great. Yeah, <laughs> I needed to know that, so that's good. Just, um, just so you're the aware. The next scene... Uh, <laughs> move it on. The next scene, uh, he goes back to uh, Melfi, and this time, Melfi is not having it. Like, she will have secret meetings in the cars and everything, and she knows that he boils up and then settles down, but uh, he, he went too far with that glass table. Um, so she, in fact, runs back into her office and calls 911 and everything uh, and grabs a scissor before letting him into uh, have a chat. Yes. Yeah, I like how she stashes it in her sleeve and then... Excuse me. She sits at her desk, and so there's that nice barrier between them, like it's going to protect her or something, and she's got her hands, like, folded, so she has her sleeve there with the scissors. <laughs> and um, this, of course, is a very different interaction than what we've seen with Melfi and Tony, and she's acting differently, but obviously she should be because of the situation. So I do like how this plays out where she's like, Jesus fucking Christ, like she's frustrated and annoyed, 
and we're seeing kind of the real her. And I love how she has that moment where she stands up and takes the scissors out, and Tony kind of looks at it, like realizing she, you know, had a weapon ready in case he did something weird. Um, yeah, I think it's a great scene all around. Yeah, and this is where we get the title of the episode because they start talking about this sex dream uh, with Kuzumano's wife, and he talks about her big ass, and she says, oh, it's interesting that she would say big ass because she's quite a slender woman. <laughs> and uh, so what's up with this dream? Do you want to analyze this one? Because they move on pretty quick to uh, murder threats and everything. What's going on with this dream, Jim? Yeah, so are we getting into the I want to fuck my mother territory here when he mentions the big ass? Is that what they're hinting at? Mm. Well, not I want to fu- not that I want to fuck my mother, but you know what I mean. You know the old, uh, what's it called there? I wanted to fuck your mother. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I'm doing her doggy file, and I'm finished. I just have the scene up, so I'm just trying to find what they say afterwards. Um, yeah, yeah. We got bigger thing to th- things to talk about than Jean's ass. And what she brings up is uh, f- feelings of worthlessness sparked by your mother's plot to have you killed. Um, and she usually steers the conversation in a reasonable way. Uh, and... I guess it's to do with impotence and things like that, but I don't know whose ass it is. Whose ass is it? Because, uh, I mean, uh, Livia doesn't have that much junk in the trunk, so it's not like it's like, oh, it's obviously Livia. So I don't think that's it. Um, But I'm also not sure if it's anyone in specific or if it's Isabella or whoever, or if it's just impotence from being, you know, castrated by his own mother. Yeah, yeah. Well, and one thing, backing up real quick, because I think we kind of glossed over her breakdown of borderline personality disorder um, and basically how it's just she lives in misery and she's incapable of joy. And, I mean, I think they kind of sum that all up with all her appearances where it was surprising to us in episodes where Olivia Soprano would kind of smile and be, like, a little normal. Uh, I'm still not sure whose ass it was that he was doing from behind. Maybe it was Melfi. Mm. Who knows? Getting revenge on her for telling him the truth. Mm. I mean, that's, again, so much to mine in future seasons. <laughs> whose ass was it? Hashtag whose ass was it? Um, uh, but anyway, that's not really the central part of the episode. I only bring it up because they name the episode after it. So yeah. I, why did they do that? Well, I mean, I dream of Genie. It's a sitcom or it's something. Just, yeah. I don't know about these things. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's an old famous sitcom. Maybe they just wanted to go for the great pun. <laughs> Is that the one where the Genie claps and like nods and stuff happens? Yes. Yeah, she like puts her like hands down and like nods her head and then makes magic right. happen. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, again, I just know that from The Simpsons and things like that. I don't know. I don't know about the original. But anyway, uh, that's that's kind of that scene. I mean, the the change is when he starts talking about how she's in danger, and I'm gonna get some guys in here to look after you until you get on a plane. That's when she kind of gets out from behind the desk, I think, and puts the scissors away because she realizes um, what's going on. And of course, she doesn't want to do that. Um, but then at the end, we see that she actually did get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, yeah, because she talks, I mean, she has patience, and, I mean, Wikipedia says that it's a common thing that psychoanalysts go on vacation in August. I don't know how true that is, because Tony has that comment, tell him August came early this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I just assumed it's because August is in summer, and that's when people go on vacation, but I guess it's got even more double meaning. 
I also said that, but I only seen, I mean, is that really on the Wikipedia for psychoanalysts or is it for, on the Wikipedia for I Dream of Genie? For Genie I Dream of Genie Cusimano. Yeah. So that's why I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. They would, they would do research on psychoanalysts uh, for writing this. So, but it's kind of inside. Yeah. Yeah. It's some inside info. Uh, although, yeah, LA Times, August angst when therapists go on vacation. All right. A right <laughs> of August shrinks away for some New Yorkers. My life in therapy. Proverbial shrinkless August. So, yeah, I guess it is a thing I was not aware of. I did not know that. So you learned something new. Yes. Then Artie gets a rifle. And yeah. um, this is a dramatic scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's a nice... It's nice how the uh, like it's all coming to a head from the pilot, obviously, because it, c- it could have just been something that happened and then never really came up again. But I like how they play this out and Artie, you know, works it out as well that like he he basically spells out exactly what happened. And Tony was helping him. And I, I think um, the Artie Bucco does a good job in this. I'm just going to call the actor Artie Bucco. Uh, does a good job in this scene as well because you do get that sense that like he does kind of appreciate in a weird way but also like what the fuck dude why are you doing this like even though he, Tony did try some other stuff he did try to get him out of town uh, but he didn't want to oh John Ventimiglia that's the actor uh, and I and of course I mean the capper to the scene where Tony swears on his mother mm, mwah, perfection <laughs> That's really great. Um, I think the obvious thing we said, or I said in the first episode, is why doesn't he just tell him that why he needs to close down? But then we were like, well, he doesn't want to get him involved in mob shit. But then in the next three episodes, it's like, yeah, get some points on the street <laughs> yeah, and this yeah. and that. So it's like you could have just told him to shut the fucking thing down. And also when the fire broke out, I thought, and maybe it's open to interpretation, but I thought it was just to close it for a few days. Like, oh, yeah. I literally thought that was what that was going to be. But I guess the whole place burned down. And I don't know if Silvio got, like, overenthusiastic uh, or something. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, if, if his goal was burn the whole thing down for the insurance money, yes, then Arthur's right. He's fucking crazy. Yes. Yeah. And I love, I love the way he delivers the line, like, when he's talking about He's like, I love my new place so much because, I mean, you feel it. Like, he is really excited. They, In a way, things are working out good. I mean, besides this bug problem that they have. But <laughs> it's like he kind of has a nicer restaurant, and this is kind of a great thing. But now he has this truth in his head that's ruining it. Yeah. Um, and I like how we might as well just kind of play out his story here. I like how it plays out because it's kind of what, what, what any normal person would do. There's obviously the right thing to do where he probably should go to the police, but if he did or go to the insurance company or whatever, but if he did, all that's going to happen, he's going to fuck himself over because it's just going to open up the investigation and I doubt they're going to get anything on Tony or Silvio or anything like that. And all that's going to happen is he's not going to get money for his restaurant, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I was a bit surprised that we were still getting like storyline with him with that i guess it adds up but i felt like if he's not shooting him like if he gets the rifle and he doesn't shoot him that must mean he believes him on some level and i guess i guess that's why it makes sense um that these scenes follow because 
he decides to believe it, even though he doesn't believe it. But I mean, I, I guess what, what Tony says is enough for him to smash his rifle and drive away in frustration. I thought he smashed his rifle and drove away in frustration because he was like, how the fuck did I go and grab a gun and pull it on my best friend who's also a mob boss who's probably going to have me whacked now? Yeah. I'm so fucking stupid. But I guess it was more like he still thinks that Tony did it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be going to the insurance company for extra investigation or anything. Or maybe he just wants to know for sure, and that's why he would tell the insurance company. Um, but does he really want to know for sure? As you said, the only eventual outcome is things would get worse for him. Yeah, and he kind of says that because we see him taking guidance from Father Phil. And at first I wasn't sure if he was telling them specifics, but then later when it comes up, he just meant this guy I know and this mother. So he wasn't necessarily saying like Tony and Tony's mother and stuff like that. So at, at yeah. first I wasn't sure if I should read it as... Father Phil doesn't need Carmilla anymore, so he doesn't mind getting Tony out of the way, or maybe he's getting Tony out of the way because he loves Carmilla, who knows? But I don't think it gets as specific as all that. But it is interesting that to see these both play out, to see Father Phil trying to give someone like the the right thing to do advice when we're seeing him being like a piece of shit like in his own life, uh, on the flip side of things. So I, I do like seeing that. Yeah, and I mean, even I guess, yeah, he didn't know for sure that it was about Tony. But when it's like, I, I, he must have said that someone burned down his place for insurance <laughs> money. And it's like, who do we know who yeah. would do that? <laughs> like, we, we both know Tony really well. So, um, and I did feel like he was, the father Phil was being, I don't know. You're right. It's weird. I, I question all of his guidance and how earnest he is. But I guess he's earnest all the time, but he's just the worst. And he changes, like, the base on his of his morality is so shifting that his advice, like, I think he's he, he's trying to give good advice. And I guess it kind of is. Yep. But it isn't really based on any, like, he doesn't know what's up. He's not a good person himself anyway. So the advice comes out really weird. Yeah, yeah. I think they do a good job of like, I do think he is trying to give it good advice and probably for the most part is actually giving good advice. It's just from yeah. what we see how he acts in his personal life, he's a shitty person and we know that. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you just can't have to roll your eyes at him. Um, and then from here, we do get to see Tony sit down his crew and kind of break it to him. He doesn't want them hearing about it on the street that he's been seeing a therapist. Now, does he mention, because one thing I just remembered he doesn't mention it's a lady, does he? Because um, that's what Paulie brings up at the end. Like, I can't get over that. Where he's like, but a lady therapist. I can't get over that part. No, nah, he does say she. She's okay. been helping me with that. Okay, yeah, he does. All right. We did skip over, I just realized, the shorts, uh, the last Sopranos dinner with Junior and Livia. Oh, you're um, right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That was before the Father Phil and Artie stuff, the, after the, yeah. he points the gun. And kind of not that much happens in it, but it's obviously like the most tense dinner ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to see them all together in this familiar territory. But, you know, Carmilla obviously knows cause, and like Junior's acting, you know, like Junior is now because, you know, we already saw that Junior kind of didn't want to go through it a bit. He felt that he had to. And now he's just mm -hmm. trying to keep up appearances and Livia's doing her thing where she's asking if the pork's cooked because of a family died of strychnine poisoning with undercooked pork. 
Yes. Uh, you know, some nice little back and forths going on. And everything she talks about is like, I mean, he's already heard the tapes, but this would kind of be confirmation. He, she literally talks all the time about families dying and <laughs> things like that. And it's on theme for the show, but it's also on theme for Livia because, of course, like Melfi's right. She's always talking about mothers throwing babies out of windows and things like that. Uh, and yeah, I do. There's that quick moment where Tony's like, Uncle June, what do you what did the lawyer say about that thing? And mm. he's just like, oh, nothing yet. And then Carmilla's like, they shouldn't talk business at the table. And it's just funny now that talking about crime and potentially being arrested, it's like, hey, Ma, you agree they shouldn't be talking business here? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Tony does bring up that, hey, I hear Artie came to see you, and this is right after Artie tries to, uh, uh, well, threatens him at least. And... Um, she says, oh, who's Artie? And then AJ sort of hums the Jeopardy theme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, he's got some charm sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, she's just playing the, the confused person, and, and that's the end of that. And, yeah, then we get into the church, and then we get to him revealing about therapy, and we already went into how I think Polly's a lying piece of shit, and um, uh, Silvio's... Uh, the best guy, just super chill, yeah, and great. Christopher just storms off, of course, as he always does. <laughs> well, and, and I can't it, tell how upset he is. I think he's just eager to go kill Mikey or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird. It's hard to read what they're going for there, but I like how he's... he's. I don't know if it's just the old, like, the first time you see your dad cry type deal <laughs> they're going yeah. for, because it's, you know, t we obviously what we know, Tony's like a father figure to him, and he just says... Like marriage counseling, <laughs> yeah. So he's like, yeah, I guess kind of, you know, so somewhat. And then he storms off. Um, and yeah, Silvio is that great where he's like, you know, maybe you know this thing of ours could be very painful and stressful, and we could address that, uh, but it's not gonna fucking happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, th there's a quick scene where um, Artie, Artie's wife comes up like, oh, you want to tell me something? And he's like. Yeah, those bar stools, they're real good. Um, and that's just a quick peek at his development. And um, uh, yeah, we do get to, there is a, in the background, Adriana is basically getting hired at the new Vesuvio. So she's right. still around. And I think we did, there was a scene before that where Carmilla walks in uh, on uh, Father Phil and Rosalie, uh, mm. kind of like doing their food flirty hangout thing that usually Carmilla gets to do. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's when she dumps her food in the trash, right? Yes, yep. Great, great. I mean, Carmilla becomes more and more likable as the show <laughs> uh, progresses. And it's funny because... Uh, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, nah, I was just going to move on. What well, were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to move on to the next scene because after the Artie and Charmaine scene, we have a quick... I love the scenes they have when it's just the... It's like a sitcom-y scene of the family all in the kitchen. Like, usually Meadow and AJ are eating cereal at the little bar area, and then Carmilla's, like, cooking something, and Tony always comes in, like, just woken up, either in his robe or whatever the fuck. But this time he's in, like, a super good mood, and it's just really quick. And then we realize he's in a good mood because it's, like, killing day. Like, because <laughs> yeah. then it cuts to uh, Mikey and his wife, who we love, and he's yelling at her. Uh, calling her a hoe, saying "call me on the cell" like when blah 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 calls and yeah, when Ch when Chucky calls actually, who's the guy who got shot on the boat? Oh, oh, I gotcha, I missed that. And uh, tells her to take a mite all. Like, 
<laughs> the last thing he says to her is take a mite all, even though we do get to see uh, Mikey's wife on the news saying, you know, he just he told me he loved me and then he went for a run. And that's kind of the other thing I was talking about, because it does hang on Carmilla for a second. And, uh, you know, from what I can read from it, it's, you know, there's still that thought of like, that could be me. I'm yep. the crying wife on TV. Uh, but it's it's I love the I love the the little bits and pieces we've seen of Mikey and his wife. Let me ask you: If you were gonna kill someone on a country road, like how would you approach them? <laughs> would you drive really slow behind drive them, slow uh, knowing there's lots of cover all around? I mean, I'm not saying I know the answer, but I think the answer is not to like slowly crawl along behind them until they know what's up. Like if you want to get them by surprise. You could easily run them over or something, but I guess that would damage your car. So what do I know? Maybe it's it's just like weird foreplay. It's kind of like, you know, there have been move, action movies or Tarantino movies that have the weird monologue of like, you don't cock your gun ahead of time. You wait until you're with your victim. Then you cock the gun because you get to have a cool sound or whatever when you could have done it before. You know, it's one of those things. It's just the build. You get to get get them nice and afraid, and then you get to go for a good chase. And Paulie can be really concerned because he's got poison ivy all over him. Yeah, I was gonna say you could have avoided a lot of like weird white cream that you got to put on your face and all over you. But then, and he's more concerned with that as they're doing the murder in the middle of it. But of course, Christopher's on point on this one. I mean, he's leading the way because he's really upset about his friend. And Mikey's trying to shift blame to Junior, like, no, of course, Junior did it. He's like, Mr. Magoo, yeah. I did get that <laughs> reference. Uh, so, yeah, then they shoot him a lot of times. Well, and I like the way it works because, you know, Christopher's kind of making this, it's not like an impassioned speech, but he's the reason why he's ready to kill this guy is because, you know, he killed his friend. But then Pauly is like, I want to kill this fucking guy because I got poison ivy on me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it really, it's sold to me that Pauly is just all about it now. Like, before he probably just would have, like, maybe he just would have, like, Christopher shoot him. Who cares? But now Pauly's like, no, I need to get some shots in because I can fucking feel the poison ivy itching me already. <laughs> And he does get really calm afterwards. He just kind of, yeah, that's right. And they just walk off all cool. Um, and then there's a scene where the indictments are delivered, which is shot really interestingly with a handheld kind of point of view camera yeah. where arms sort of fly up into sh into frame holding up a badge like it is literally shot as a point of view from a cop. Yeah, it's bizarre. Interesting. It's bizarre. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Are they trying to trick us into thinking... This is the they're gonna. This is the hit on Junior, and then they think it's a reveal or something. It, it, I do think it's a bizarre choice they make. I don't. I, I I was fine with it, but it is weird because it feels like a horror movie. Whenever like a, a shaky hand, it's shaky as well because it's not like a steady cam or anything. I guess it's it seems like just a handheld cameras. I I don't know what the fuck they shot it on, but but it is. Uh, it's so. They're do throughout the season. They've done small like stylistic things that feel so out of place, um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. But it does kind of feel really strange after the uh, after the previous scene. Maybe specifically because they make it point of view. Like having a shaky camera or something is one thing, but then you also have like an arm coming in like it's a video game, and that's a bit odd. But uh, that said, it's a very 
uh, short sequence, and it's just there to inform us of what's uh, what's going on, and they're finally pulling the trigger on the indictments. Yeah, because then it kind of, after we see Junior, it kind of goes to a quick montage of some other guys all getting picked up. And then, yeah, we do see um, the Soprano family seeing it on the news, and that's where we see Mikey's wife. And um, it's interesting because Tony's freely talking about uh like he's lucky he's even alive like about junior and then a second later meadow comes in the room and she's like <laughs> oh my god uncle junior got arrested and then he has to flip into yeah you believe that a uh, legitimate businessman like <laughs> but yeah. it's like dude wh- the door is open people can hear you talking about how you were going to kill uncle junior uh and one one thing i guess i've never really noticed before is i love the the cheesy pillars their TVs on, like the kind of Roman pillars that yeah. they have. Uh, uh-huh. It's such a like a fucking Guido little <laughs> detail they threw in there. I'm Italian, I can say that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's it's a weird contrast with uh, an old you know fixed TV just plunked on there. It doesn't look like it belongs at all, but it's on a weird pillar. Um, and yeah, Mikey's wife is all torn up about him and, you know, I'm going to miss Mikey, uh, in a way Mm -hmm. because he was a a certain flavor that we were getting in this show and we weren't getting it from anyone else. And we saw a bit of his home life and they did a good job of making him like a fun character to watch. And now he's dead. Yeah. I just kind of a nice, like, um foil for like everyone else because he's always going to be a piece of shit to everyone and but he's going to do it very gleefully mm-hmm. um and then i think that that's when it goes into the next moment i believe it's tony and carmilla and he's explaining like what he heard from his lawyer or what have you that the indictments are tied to some stuff he wasn't into some like phone calling card scam and something else but maybe uh like you had mentioned earlier like Maybe Jimmy give, gave him all kinds of stuff that might be on him, or who knows what else might be coming down the pipeline. Yes. Um, and then <laughs> there's just a, I had to pause it, but w- when we see Father Phil back at the restaurant, he does put down a gift certificate. It's in my notes as well. All right, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm glad you mentioned it, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like brought up at all, but it just underlines how he you're you're a priest because you get all this free shit like you know there is a certain amount that makes sense where you could get some gifts from people and you you take them because you're polite and they want to do something nice for you but no he really enjoys getting stuff from people to the point that he accepts a uh, a rolex watch and as carmilla says it's a bit tied up in food because he, he doesn't even pay at this restaurant he just puts down a gift certificate and i'm sure he's there every day well you know but i, th- I think there there's even more to it because when he first runs into rosalie and carm at the at Artie's new place he mentions that he has a gift certificate that like another wife gave him. And cause, oh. cause Carmilla makes a comment like, Oh yeah, that's part of the new um, like campaign for the new, to get the word out or something like that. So I right. think they're actually telling us that yes, he used a gift certificate bef- when we first saw him there and he's back with another gift certificate. Whoa. <laughs> the new Vesuvios. Cause he's you such know, a, <laughs> We're we're being too harsh. This guy's got it made. Like, if there's one scam artist in this show who's never gonna get indicted, it's Father Phil. He's always got a full stomach, and he gets to enjoy the best multimedia uh, in in town. Uh, maybe we should be admiring him instead of uh, Tony. Absolutely. And he doesn't even have a guma. Yeah. 
he's got a bunch of gumas, but he doesn't like go any forward with it. He just gets to hang out and eat food and watch movies with them. Um, yes. And then, yeah, this is where we kind of get their back and forth. And Artie's saying there's either like a yes person or a no person and basically walks through his rationale of why he's not going to tell his wife. And he's basically just going to let the, you know, it's he's already in motion with a new restaurant. He's not going to mess. You're not going to rock the boat. I can either be a yes person or a no person, and I, I like that. <laughs> a positive ion or a negative yeah, ion. Yeah, that's what and, it was. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Phil doesn't really get it, but uh, to his credit, he does say, you seem at peace, and that's kind of what he was trying to do, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where you see a glimmer of, uh, he's got good intentions, he's kind of a dumbass and a piece of shit, but he's got good intentions somehow, so that's, uh, that's good. Get a bit of three-dimensionality on that guy. Yeah. Uh, and then the scene, we kind of already went over it. Uh, we see uh, Junior in prison trying to be enticed by the FBI. But as we said, Junior's not going to admit any type of defeat like that. Um, and then we get but, to... Oh, go ahead. Do you have another thing? To yeah, I was just going to say, why not go over it again? Because it yeah. is such a great scene. And just the way, I don't know, the way they shoot and light it is so great. Because every frame of, of Junior's face is like a painting almost of of him and as you said he expresses it all in his face but the way it's shot as well and his giant glasses enlarging <laughs> his eyes yeah. and the way he gets to kind of quip a bit uh of when he says like I, I we want johnny sex and we want this and he says i want to fuck angie dixonson <laughs> let's see who gets lucky first yeah like he he gets he in, he's enjoying this which is why he would never ever give like obviously he doesn't didn't want this and everything kind of sucks. But um, I think in a way he might feel that if he had done, like if he'd done it properly and killed his nephew, he wouldn't be in this situation. Actually, he still would have been in the situation, but but maybe he feels like that. And that in a way, you know, Tony Tony won this round or whatever, or Tony, Tony kind of won, but I'm never going to let anyone know that Tony won or yeah. whatever. It's such an interesting dynamic because he tried to kill his nephew, but he would never rat him out. But it's not because he loves his nephew, but he does love his nephew, but he did try to kill him. And there's so much going on and the scene makes so much sense. And you're right, like to the point about him kind of enjoying it because it even though yeah he got pinched or whatever and now he's got to go to court and he's arrested and he's in prison it is weirdly enough maybe another sign that he's the guy at the top because they did they did want to take him down and they are looking to take him down so it's just even though he knows it's not true it just kind of solidifies that he's the boss and that's why he's important to them even though they're trying to tell him like no you're not important we want <laughs> we want to get to uh, new york we want other people uh go ahead and flip on your friends and your family yeah so that's good then we get another great scene the one we mentioned with carmela who's now kind of knows what's up with father phil she's seen what we've seen um, how and how and- absurd is it that he's in the house when she gets mm-hmm. home and he's like mm-hmm. oh can i help you with the groceries and i love that she's even like how did you get in here like is she so rightfully, I mean, we already know all the other stuff building up to her feelings for him at this point, but it's such a nice detail that he's just waiting inside and he's got a fucking DVD and shit. It's so annoying. That makes it so great when she just calls him on his shit. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's closing the fridge as she comes in. <laughs> like, let me help you with that. He's already checking out what's in there. 
And I mean, first it, it, she's kind of just acting a bit cold, and he's trying to do his old thing. Like, oh, you know about Tony? Has he changed his mind? And she gets to say, "You know, he's not ever gonna change, and uh, you're just here because you like this and this." We don't need to go over it verbatim, but it's such a great dressing down that he gets because it feels like he really had. Like, first he's like. Pfft. Mia culpa, I thought you liked movies. And then she's like, no, this and this and this. And he's like, uh... And he just kind of staggers out of there trying to comprehend it because she says, like, she likes him and that's why she thinks he needs to take a good hard look at himself. And he kind of staggers out, staggers back for the movie, but then he staggers out again. Now, that's such a great detail that he has to slowly saunter back in to grab his DVD. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love. she has a comment when he does his thing where he do- acts like he doesn't know what's going on. And she's like, Jesus, between I get enough of this with Tony. I don't need it. Like, you're not my husband. I don't have to deal with this same like runaround from you as yeah. well. And it, like the buildup's so great because at first she's like, do you want coffee? And he's like, only if you're making it. And then he kind of like she calls him on that. And then he starts to be like, well, maybe we could have. She's like, would you want some wine? Then he's like, oh, yeah. And he already knows what wine he wants. He goes to get it. He's enjoying it. And then he gets destroyed. And I think all he yeah, all he can really say is just kind of like, oh, or something like that, because <laughs> there's nothing else to say. And and it's great. She she won't even, she can't even like turn and look at him again because. I do like that she throws in that stuff like, no, I do have feelings for you. And I've I've really appreciated all our chats and I'm very fond of you. And that's all true. But it's like, dude, you suck. You're, <laughs> you're the worst. You fucking stink. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as she says, you like the whiff of sexuality that never goes anyplace. And I mean, uh, again, not Catholic myself. But it does seem like what uh, a priest would do because he can't do these things, but he can enjoy these things. And he has to compartmentalize in his head what he can and can't do and what he's allowed to enjoy and what he has to feel shame for. And he's been doing these things thinking, I don't have to feel shame for this. Yay! Like, because I'm a Catholic, I have to feel shame for everything, but I don't have to feel shame for taking food because it's part of the job. But then he's overdone that and not realized it. And I, I think he will take a hard look at himself. Who knows if he'll change? But uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yes, yeah. And she, she says like, call it an intervention. Um, <laughs> it's a nice way to sum that up. And then, yeah, as we had mentioned before, then we go, goes into the scene where Tony's testing out pillows as he's getting ready to, you know, uh, make his mom nice and comfortable. Uh, but we learn that she's had a stroke. And uh, they're about to, he's basically, the timing's pretty good. They're about to wheel her out. And as we heard at the top of the show, Tony is not having it. He tells George Clooney to fucking back off. And he gets like right in her face. And he's telling her like, you're not long for this world. And I'm going to live a long, happy life. I know what happened. I heard the tapes. And what do you think? Is she smiling? Hmm. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, first time I watched this, I did think that she had a stroke, which, I mean, either way you read it, it's such a sad scene, Yeah. but such a great scene at the same time. But Tony, when he hears, hears about the stroke, he starts grinning, and I first thought, like, yeah, my job's been done for me. But then, obviously, what he actually thinks is, ah, she's up to her old tricks again, but I'm going to let her know that she's not going to get away with it this time. Um and it's, I don't know, what do you think? Was there a stroke? Because first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, of course there was a stroke. And then I was like, well, no, of course she would do this. It's totally in line with the other stuff. 
I don't know. It's hard. I go back and forth. I know the first few times I've watched it, I definitely didn't think she had a stroke. But then I got to wonder, like, how can she fake that where, you know, it's like medical professionals around and stuff like that? I mean, how could she really fake that? But who knows? Maybe she could. But then I I do feel like she's kind of (laughs) smiling. (laughs) But I don't think she would be smiling even if she had faked it. But uh, yeah, I was thinking that too. How could she fake that? But then I was like, well, they're not really in a hospital. And the person saying her speech has been affected is just an EMT person um, who would like they would judge the symptoms. They wouldn't do they haven't done a brain scan or anything like that. Um, So they wouldn't know. And either way, it's just as scary just and 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 sad to see tony's crazy eyes come out in full in this scene to his mother but also it's satisfying because she has been doing these things and it's really good yes yeah it's satisfying satisfying because you know we've seen tony this whole season and how he has more self-loathing around his mother because he feels like he's messing up all the time and you know, uh, it's. I don't think it's just something exclusive to Italians, but you know, any uh, any family. Of course, you want your mother to love you. You want your parents to approve. So it's he. That's all he's been trying to do, and he's been second guessing his decisions and what have you. And now he gets to kind of unload because he's he's more aware of some of the truth and the reality of what's going on. And I do like that. I mean, earlier when Carmilla is talking to Tony, she talks about how his sisters left town at such a young age. He would have thought they had a price on their head. So it's like everyone kind of took off because she's so miserable. But Tony tried to stay and, you know, make things right uh, and be a good son. And look what that got him. Yes. And he says... I just got one, like, Uncle June's in jail. I just got one detail to take care of, saying, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Um, But I I think that's in the moment. I don't think he's going to get that pillow out later. Um, But, like, it would have been a worse scene if it ended with him shouting, I just got one detail, just got one detail. (laughs) But the thing he's shouting is, she's got a fucking smile on her face. Look at her face. She's smiling because that's the thing that cuts that she would do this to him not that like oh i'm gonna kill you it's like she's still doing it she if she just hadn't he he never would have gotten the pillow if she hadn't done that with Artie. i feel like he would have felt the shame and shit and everything but he wouldn't have gone you know mr pillow on her um that's the thing where it was like oh she's Still, like, she's crippled herself to get out of blame, and she's still covertly trying to really mess things up for me as badly as she can mm-hmm. after trying to have me killed. Yeah. And um, it's like, how do you end the season after that? Because it's such a dramatic moment. Um, and they do a good job because they just cut to the car and a lot of rain. And it's it's very reminiscent of the intro where we see him in, like, a rearview mirror um, going over a bridge or whatever. But then his whole family's with him in the car instead of it being just him alone. And all season, at the start of each episode, we've seen him alone in the car. And now we see him doing the same sort of drive but with his whole family. Actually, I'm wrong because he goes to therapy first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say, that. there's a quick scene. Yeah, he goes to Melfi. It, yeah. it is, I do like that. I mean, we start with this big blow up and walk out, but now like 
almost like each time a weird beat happens, he goes to see her. Uh, yeah. Like it's, you know, for, he does one hit and dumps the guy at the bottom of the ocean and then he goes to see Melfi to like warn her. And now he like almost kills his mother and kind of sees that she's uh, like, yeah, f- faked a stroke, had a stroke, what have you. And then it, again, he tries to go see her, but he sent her away. So she's gone. And yeah, there's this nice moment where the power goes up because of the storm is hitting uh and the even the guy buff on the floor is like uh, i'm gonna i'm out of here and <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a walk <laughs> yeah first time i did think that he went just to say all's clear you don't have to go on that vacation but no you're right he obviously goes because that's his instinct he just had a super dramatic thing and he goes to deal with it there that's how he would like be be able to process it and he can't do that and instead he is in the car with his family in the rain uh and they're going to aunt patty's um, yeah yeah that's a weird uh detail because yeah i don't know if we've heard anything about aunt patty this whole uh show so far is that his sister, one of the ones who moved away? Um, I know one of them's Janice. What is his other sister's name? Carmilla could have sisters, but I don't know. I don't know nothing about the family tree there, so uh, I'm not going to say. But either way, they do give up on it and just happen to stop on uh, at New Vesuvio. Um, oh, yeah, there's a tree in the way as well. And first, Artie's like, I, I don't know, the power is out and this and that. But then he's like, of course, come on in. And like they said earlier in the episode, like, we'd want to make sure this doesn't become another mob hangout. And then, of course, the whole upper crust of the mob is just hanging out in there uh, at the end. Yeah, I do like that exchange because I think Artie's right in his response to that, where he, you do have to admit that, that a certain level of that clientele would make your place kind of hip because we've seen it i mean we've talked about it uh you know one of the biggest references is when the melfi family is seeing their family therapist and he has a love like a loving memory of the tough jew mafia you know what i mean so there is this yeah and of course i mean we're watching a mob show and we love mob movies so if you heard there was an italian restaurant and sometimes there might be some connected guys in there people would check it out yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I mean, but there's no one in there right then anyway. He does let, I mean, him letting him in totally shows how they've gone around and, and around and gotten back to kind of where they were at the start. And it does, I mean, I don't think it's going to come up again, but of course it could be like, I, I guess it would be like retreading old ground if it was like, you did burn down my restaurant because Artie's actually yeah. been able to let go of it. But it's nice that their whole relationship is rebuilt but it's based on that lie it's got kind of a breaking bad feel to it of like there's still this thing in the back where uh things aren't quite okay but we're just gonna we're just gonna act like it yeah yeah and it it's just it's a nice moment for art because Artie's kind of doing the right thing but it just does show that I don't want to say he's a pushover, but it's just kind of like another, like obviously the show is all about family, different types of family. And they mentioned that Artie and Tony have known each other since little league. So it's family. And then, yeah. and then it's even better because as we come into the restaurant, like Tony's, you know, crews in there, that's his family and, and Christopher's with Adriana. Obviously it's very convenient, but it's such a nice moment to end the season on where kind of everyone's there. And obviously with the Sopranos, food's a big part of it. 
So everyone's there to kind of sit down and have a meal while the storm's brewing outside. So obviously a lot to take in there. Yeah, and we I think we end on Tony's toast to his family, which I get the feeling he, even though he is all about family, he doesn't necessarily say these sorts of things a lot because he doesn't always open up properly. He's more likely to hit the back, of, scuff the back of your head if you say something stupid than he is to say, uh, the quote is, someday soon you're going to have families of your own, which I think they, they kind of say earlier when they're all having dinner uh, with Livia as well. That's kind of brought up that these are going to have families too one day. Yeah. But this is obviously more you know, <laughs> more meaningful. This is the real family. Someday soon you're going to have families of your own. And if you're lucky, uh, you'll remember the little moments um, like that this. Were, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Uh, because, it, it, I mean, that's true. We, we, we've we seen these little moments that were good. And we've seen his fear of losing his family. But it's interesting because the whole show is about that and him sort of redefining where the lines of his family is and who's actually part of it and who isn't and dealing with his troubled past with his family. And he knows that his kids aren't going to have the perfect upbringing. But that's why he says this, that like there were these moments and please try to remember when the power was out and we went to Uncle Artie's uh, restaurant and he let us in in candlelight and they all clink their glasses. It's not just... Even the, I mean, even even AJ and Meadow clink their glasses. They all clink them, and yeah. that's important. Yes, it is. It's it's such a nice moment, um, and yeah, I mean, obviously the show's called Cut to Black. It's understood that not every episode is actually cutting to black. We do get that, but it does feel uh, like there are always important things at the end of each episode, uh, and it's nice as we're doing this rewatch to kind of pick up on that as we gear towards the uh as we barrel towards the very last you know uh cut to black moment at the end of the show in general yeah they do in fact fade to black at the end of this one and i'm gonna be very upset if we get to the very last episode and i've just been misinformed and they actually fade to black there so uh please let me know if we need to change the name of the show jim but uh but yes they do fade to black on that restaurant scene yeah i mean almost all of them basically do fade to black but there's still that ending moment that is usually important. So yeah. uh, and so far the streak's been pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of great streaks, uh, we've done the whole first season, Jim. Wow. Well, I'm impressed with us. <laughs> we we did hold our horses for each week and do just one at a time. And it. I mean, I we we went into it earlier, but I think it does enhance the experience because I literally would have watched this in uh, one day or two days uh, left to my own devices and not had time to think about what what are the good things. And that's what I always try to do. Think about what can we take from this and apply to our own work or our own writing or even just to our own lives? What is actually useful and interesting and what will affect us even after long after the show is over? What are your thoughts summing up the whole season? As far as like personally taking from it? Yes. Yes. Um, well, I mean, one thing I do love about The Sopranos in general is like... Uh, I, I mean, I'm, you're, I'm sure you're not that aware of it because obviously it's your first time watching it. So you're not doing a lot of reading up on The Sopranos because clearly everyone's going to openly talk about the whole series. But yeah, and maybe it changes a bit as we go on. 
But a lot of people really dislike the therapy scenes in general. Like it's usually something people point to as like a bad part of the show. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily because people just want to watch a mob show and it's a little bit more like things slow down a bit. But uh, not that I think that these scenes are actual therapy, but I do like going over that stuff. Obviously, I'm not a Tony Soprano character, but the reason why Tony Soprano is a great character is in addition to being a, uh, you know, crime boss murderer, his feelings are very relatable even to the average Joe like myself. So yeah. it is interesting, even though I've never personally gone to therapy, I'm open to it, I just never have. It is interesting to see those conversations play out and obviously putting that in your own life and kind of, you know, working on things that you might be dealing with, whether it be anxiety or what have you. So I really, I really like that. And I think the show in general, like as far as a creative person, it's like an inspiring show because some things are just very simple and it just is like any other TV show. And then other things are shot in a really interesting way and have a lot of meaning and a lot of discussion behind it. So you do get this feeling sometimes, especially even us just sitting here discussing an episode and what they're going for with the acting or the writing or the directing it makes you want to sit down and create something as well. I don't know if you get that, uh, yeah. get that feeling also. So, and, and I think it's a great choice. Obviously, it's very easy to binge a lot of things these days, but I think a show like Sopranos, you don't necessarily have to do it week to week like we are, where it takes like a year and a half. But <laughs> I think it is a show that's worth letting it marinate a bit more before you're just kind of devouring these episodes because... I mean, it's we're not just sitting here trying to stretch time. And I know this episode, I do apologize. This is a very long one here. It is the finale. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to get into. And even though sometimes if we're just breaking down beats, um, there's uh, there's just a lot to think about. And you're going to, I think, I feel like you lose that if you just like, all right, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And then all of a sudden it's cut to black and the show's over. Um, I think there's way more to get from it and that inspires me. Yes. If you listen to our show, Shows What You Know, where we discuss other television shows, we've said that thing, I believe, in the early days of the podcast, talking about certain Netflix shows, uh, how like Stranger Things, when it first came out, the first season was a huge thing for like two weeks, (laughs) and then everyone forgot about it, and we all moved on like a flock of locusts to the next piece of entertainment. Um, and this is sort of the opposite of that in a way. Um, and I, yeah, I think you're right. Letting it sink in, it, it gets you more hyped and it gets you, it allows you to see more details where otherwise it would just be, ah, oh, that was good. That was a good, and like, that was a snack. And now I feel we're turning it into a good meal, one that even Father Phil would enjoy <laughs> over years and years as he goes into these weird widows and everything. But don't take it from us. Uh, Pug000 left a review on the Cut to Black podcast feed, Ooh, as nice. you can also do. And wrote, definitely listen to, I mean, if you've listened to one and a half hours of us, you probably are already on board. But uh, I'm reading this as an encouragement to please leave us more reviews. We very much appreciate it. Uh, Pug wrote, definitely listen to this if you need some Sopranos commentary. The two hosts have a great dynamic and their analysis continues to evolve alongside the show. It's always exciting to see someone react to the Sopranos for the first time. So you get that perspective as well. 
I've seen the show at least 10 times, and this podcast still, uh, still brings new things to light for me. The Sopranos is such a unique show, it somehow keeps changing even though the episodes stay the same. So new Sopranos analysis is always welcome, especially when it's well done, like this. Wow. That's a, like, I... I host the show, and that Im- I'm like impressed by our own show from that review. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate it. I'm impressed with the review as well. That's <laughs> yeah. a very good one. And uh, thank you to all. Thank you, Pug and zero zero zero. And thank you to all the new people who have come on, uh, uh, come along this journey of the first season with us. And as I said, the the ride is far from over. We have committed to doing every single episode. And at the start, that was a bit scary when I hadn't seen us and a single one. And now I'm here talking for an hour and a half about a one hour episode of television. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm pleased as punch about it. So uh, I, I imagine this year will just swoop by and then we'll, you know, another year will swoop by and another and then we'll all cut to black permanently in our lives and we'll yeah. think I didn't waste an, a second that I spent talking about The Sopranos. No way. Uh, well, real quick, did you have anything as far as your takeaway from the show, like personally, like we were talking about? Um. I I feel like I said something along those lines, and now we've talked for so long that I kind of lost the thread. I don't have a great like punchy ending for for this, to be honest. Um, but right. uh, it's I, and I've talked so long, and I just think it's a great show, and I think I don't have anything more to say right now. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I think that works. I mean, it's fair. I I uh, you I I had you I had you break it down a bit at the top of the show, so it would just be redundant. That was a bad choice by me. Uh, no, it's fine. I just uh, <laughs> pumped myself empty at this well, point. Real quick, that. then, um, before we finish out, are we going good, fellas, for the next episode? Yes. Yeah, uh, we do, do want to take a like. Not that I, I actually got annoyed thinking about this earlier. Like, shit, I'm not going to get to watch The Sopranos <laughs> next week. Uh, but yes, we do want to like uh, get some other cultural influences, and between seasons seems like a good place to do that. So we are going to. Watch Goodfellas and talk about that next week. Um, so everyone do your Goodfellas homework. Even if you've seen it, we've both seen it, but it was a long time ago for me. And obviously there's a lot of the same actors and it's the same sort of themes. And we're going to have a look at that and see how it relates to the Sopranos. Yes. Yeah. It'll be, you know, discussion on the movie in general, but of course we'll be uh, relating it to the Sopranos and especially the way the Sopranos may directly reference it, whether it be actors or just in general conversation and inspiration. So I think it'd be kind of an interesting little break as we gear up for season two. And then maybe if you're listening, if you have a recommendation for what we could do when season two's done, uh, whether it be like a movie or something you think that could fit the theme, uh, let us know. Hit us up at uh, showswhichyouknowshow at gmail.com. Yeah, or leave. Tell us in a review, though. You could also leave a yes. review and tell us on Great the Cut to Black podcast feed. That's the easiest way to communicate with us. Uh, we read all our reviews, of course. But yes, you can also tweet at shows what you know. That's you with the letter U. And uh, for Jim, there's a lot of good stuff at jimandthem.com. And for me myself, I have a website called awesomepedia.org where I discuss, uh, among other things, the writing of other television shows such as Game of Thrones. Some people like it. Uh, some people want me to burn in hell for what I've said, and I am a blasphemer. But uh, there you go. That's life, and that's the internet. And uh, I, well, I think that's it. Well, actually, there's one more thing that I think you mm. forgot to mention. What's that? Cut to black.